when this go live. Two, one, roll the footage. Welcome everybody to the Strategy Show. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and today with us, she grew up in Silicon Valley. She co-founded the Clubhouse, an innovation center that connects leaders and learners, funders and founders across industries. She is currently launching a pilot programs looking for capital partners and ecosystem builders to support startups. Hello, everybody, Grace Belanja. Hello, hello, hello. Nice to see everybody. Grace, what are you currently creating? So we are creating um, here in the in the United States a, uh, a platform to help um, entrepreneurial support organizations. So organizations that that are sort of the funnel to entrepreneurs in their communities. And, and, and it's um, it's a division of the clubhouse, which is um, the nonprofit that I helped found about eight years ago. And um, the make the, the the company that the division that we have is now called make startups and um make startups is the, is, the, is the division that we're helping to use across the country to pilot cities that want to help entrepreneur support organizations so so if i am a city i should contact you you can yeah and i can um if you can if you can tell them the website really quick i need to go drop off these keys in emergency give me like 10 seconds all right we will talk about why you should consider invest in ESO, why mentoring can add value to cities to make them vibrant ecosystems, and why diversifying teams can broaden wealth creation and customer acquisition. So let's go directly to the first one. What is an ESO and why should we consider investing in it? So, so entrepreneur support organizations um, is sort of a, a, an emerging career. And I think a lot of us would define ourselves in that space. ESOs are um, anywhere from people that work for accelerators or incubators. If you work on a, on a main street, like a marketing group, if you work with your chambers of commerce, anything that has to do with economic development, it really is the person or the organization that will take an entrepreneur, somebody who's like, hey, I have an idea or I have a business, I wanna scale it. How do I connect to this next thing? And the next thing could be, you know, anywhere from creating a pitch deck to going on a road show, to applying to accelerators, to getting government funding, to finding venture capital, to, to learning about business plans. And so, so the entrepreneur support organizations are, is the conduit to an entrepreneur ultimately being more successful than if they hadn't partnered with that kind of organization. And what's what's currently keeping you up at night? What's on what's what what topics do you have right now? <laughs> How much time do you have? Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because because we've been doing this work for 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 seven or eight years, and I think that this year, with all of the the world's um, health and, and racial protesting that the, the, the discussion about equity, the discussion about marginalized communities, the discussion about public health has really been put to the forefront. And it's things that we've always been sort of talking about. So a lot of the discussion has been amplified. And so what keeps me up at night is the um, is the ongoing conversation to try and just, you know, move the needle incrementally day by day, whether it's at the local, state, federal, even the international level to, to have the dialogues, because at the end of the day, 
We're talking with people about the things that are in place or not in place to help other people improve themselves. So at the end of the day, I think we all want to improve not only ourselves, but the, the world and the earth and the place that we live in. And, and that's that's related to job creation. That's created to, to wealth. That's created to providing, you know, an economy that, that you get a, a fair living wage so that you can provide for your family. And so all of those things navigate through my mind at night. How do I help improve that pipeline? Absolutely. And what has been your experience um, of, of this year specifically? Uh, what were maybe some some pivotal pivotal moments in all this funky year? <laughs> I think the, um, the, the the a few pivotal moments, but one for sure was in March. You know, we we sort of saw the tide coming. You know, you know whether it was through the media or just through the CDC um, here here again in the states that were telling us about a pandemic. And so, um, you know, to put yourself sort of in a crisis mode really makes you hyper aware of what's important, what's not important, how do you, how do you protect? And so in our space, you know, we, we, we went into like a triage of, of how do we protect our team, our members? Um, how do we get everybody the right resources? You know, you scrambling in like two or three days. And, and, and that was certainly a, a pivotal moment in our organization. And then, you know, within a few days we were all online. And, and, and because we work in the technology space and a lot of our, our companies and members are in the technology space, they were able to sort of navigate temporarily what we thought at the time was this like, okay, let me just do this online for a while. Let me just take a hiatus. Let me pivot, whatever word you want to use. And then, and then, and then in the summer, there was sort of like another, another pivot. And that was mostly when the, the racial protests um, started and all of the, um, the, 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 the summer, the summer issues that happened and, and how do, how do the communities again, sort of try to come together to have discussions. And so we internally did a lot of that in our organization. We redefined our mission. We restructured, um, you know, the why of what we're doing and how to again, amplify that discussion to bring in more people um, to help more people again, doing this in the virtual space. And then I think the, the, the third, the third moment was, was probably just in the fall again, where we're like, you know what? We're going to have to do this for a while. So let's 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 put on almost like a survival tactic. Like we got through the emergency, now we're maintaining it. Let's make sure that we don't close. Let's make sure that we we can provide even the even the basic necessities. And I think that's that's kind of where we are right now. Um, getting ready for some new exciting things next year, though, too. So you are building communities, and during the lockdowns, how do you keep communication alive? How do you keep the space safe? What are you learning about community building in, in this special situation? I think it's kind of a, probably like a lot of communities, it's a hybrid model. You know, we, we went from being all virtual to, to not really a hybrid model in terms of like, I'm meeting with you, you know, in crowded spaces or anything, but we've done some outdoor social distancing, um, things we 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 did um sort of uh hibernate some of our 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 social events you know we did we did some some networking events and some after hours events and some technology you know educational events and we sort of had to put those on hold for a while but you know we've joined other communities other virtual communities talking to people like you you know across the pond just like like getting out the message beyond just our geography has allowed us to do this with zoom you know talking to CEOs, talking to VCs, people that we wouldn't have been able to talk to, you know, six months or a year ago, we can get into a conference. I just, uh, I came back from a three week virtual roadshow. I went to like four conferences in three weeks 
you know, all virtual, right? But, um, you know, meeting hundreds of people talking just about like what we're talking about. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are right now. So I, I was, I was flying a lot before, before 2020 and, uh, and then grounded. And mm -hmm. I realized my hunger for community. So we are right now so active in, in our communities and the number of, of gifts that we sent, like, like just pure emotional communication uh, has, has, uh, has, has raised a lot. So, and I see also the need for connection, for real conversations, especially around topics that are emerging right now, like what is a fair society? What is a nurturing relation? How do we, how do we uh, make sure that respect happens in every single place? And, and how do we react to it when it's, when it's not happening? All these conversations that, that we wanted to have all the time, but now, now it's easier to talk about it but on the other side, yeah, how to, how to enable the community to stay alive and to grow and to nurture. Mm -hmm. These are such interesting topics. And um, before we continue, I want to ask you about the Strategy Award. So if you can pick only one person who, when everybody's zigging, this person is zagging, who is this person? Um, I mean, I, I certainly have a few people in, in my mind that I have, have seen sort of navigate the world, especially in the last, in the last six to nine months. But um, if you don't know who Brad Feld is already, I would highly recommend that you follow him on Twitter. He's a, um, he's a venture capitalist that, I, that I've gotten to know um, over the last couple of years. And he was really adamant in the summertime about, about having uncomfortable conversations about racial inequity and really challenging um, the greater community, including himself to do something about it. And so I think that, um, you know, he would be to me a champion who has not only the, 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 the influence, but the, but the connections and the empathy to help people um, in not even, not just, you know, in our country, but probably around the world, just to really, really improve their lives. And he's investing his his not only his money but his time and his network, and that's something that I would love to see um, other other people in that space follow um, follow his lead because I think it could be very transformative. And and sometimes at the end of the day, all you need is just really one person to say, "Okay, I'm doing this. Who's in?" And then it just it opens the floodgates for so many other wonderful things to happen. So I, I would give give kudos to him. Wonderful. And um, let's go to your second CEO tip. Mentoring can add so much more than we think. Can you unpack that? Yeah, I think that um, I think in, in in some ways, you know, it, it it it's 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 agnostic in the sense that it doesn't matter if you're young or old, black or white, female or male. I think you. I think as we as we evolve, we we have something to give back, and a lot of times it's just our life experiences, and it can be um, you know somebody who who went through the same career or went through the same relationship or went through the same business. And you can learn from those people. And I think that it, it's a give and take because I think even, you know, at my age and stage, I have mentors that are that are younger than me. You know, I might've said that I've done this work, but they're really 
mentoring me in their perspective on how to how to move forward in life. And I think that um, mentoring is is a is a wonderful experience. It's a give and take. I think that um, there's a value in it. And so again, we work in a space where we depend a lot on volunteers. But I think there's also the um, the capacity, and whether you call it a consultant or or a coach, where 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 you can you know create some some karmatic capitalism to the mentoring process because because some of that is is priceless for the next person and 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 if, if it's somebody that's up and coming and they they are wanting to start a business I I generally firmly believe you don't do it on your own somebody has opened the door for you whether it was you know giving you advice giving you money giving you space and so mentoring can can fall into a lot of different different ways and I think you know giving giving credit where credit's due that 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 they can transform somebody personally and professionally. Um, and even for the mentor, it, it's, it's a part of, you know, again, sort of giving it, giving back, playing for, paying it forward in that space. And again, that's, that's sort of the stuff that some of the ESOs do around the country is, is, is we mentor. You are, I guess, one of the first here on the show to, to explicitly say that some of your mentors are younger than you. Because I experienced this myself. So in my in my twenties, in my thirties, building my businesses, my mentors were 60, 70, because it, there were people who did it and who had the experience. Then in my forties now, my my mentors are 26, 35, mm -hmm. because it's it's changing because the technologies where I need to learn a lot about. Mm -hmm. They are they are much more prolific uh, there, and basically, if 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 I would stay with my with my traditional mentors, I would just learn more of the same. But that doesn't really that doesn't really move the needle forward right now because what what is the same right now? Nothing is the same. Yeah, I think I think technology is a really great example. Um, you know, I'd give I'd give a shout out to my kids you know, 20, 20, 20 and 23 right now, because they're teaching me, you know, how, how to look at the world, you know, even just from a like philosophical way, <clears throat> but in addition to like, just how to use all the gadgets. And so, and so mentoring in that space, because I mean, at the end of the day, again, it goes both ways, right? So, so there were customers 50 years ago, there were customers 10 years ago, there's going to be customers in 20 years. And so as an entrepreneur, you're like, how do I find my customers? How do I serve my customers? How do I engage in hospitality? How do I create a business model around my passion project. And I think, you know, you'll see that over the generations and decades that we're using different words. We're using different, different ways to make those things happen. I think technology is sort of speeding it all along, but, but yeah, the mentor space, you know, don't dismiss those that are younger than you. Cause yeah, they can really teach us something for sure. Absolutely. So I'm in a mastermind right now with, uh, for example, Ali Abdal. Hey Ali, you are the best. <laughs> and uh, he is such an amazing storyteller. Uh, he has millions of followers on YouTube, of course, because he's such a master of this craft. And uh, because of his age and because of his his background and his uniqueness, he has, of course, a different take. And I'm learning so much from him. Uh, that's just one example. And um, and also perspective on 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 which channels work and 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 which channels don't work. This is completely different from where I come from. Yeah. And that diversity is really value, value adding in every field, which is also your third CEO tip, diverse teams. Why do they matter? 
Well, I think it goes back to, um, you know, the kind of companies that we see through our space. And so depending on the niche that you're in, if you're thinking about a lifestyle company, if you're thinking about a consumer brand, if you're thinking about a technology, even a mobile app, you know, you're going back to who your audience is. And then, and then within, within the niche, I think you still have to have a broader, a broad team because they're going to bring perspectives to you and, and they're going to be perspectives based on their culture, based on their gender, their race, their education, their economics. And I think that that's, that's where, again, whatever it is that you're sort of putting out into the universe, you want someone to be able to receive it. And, and the only way they can receive it is if it's directed to them in a way that, that they understand it. And so to have a diverse audience really amplifies the messaging of what you're doing. And it could be anywhere from the logo to the brand, to the website, to, to where you're marketing, um, who you're marketing it to, the, the, the price point. And it's, it's okay that you can't be all things to all people. But as you grow your team, I think you want to be able to, to bounce those ideas off of other perspectives, because if there are people that just look like me and think my think like me and act like me, I'm not really going to have a diverse revenue stream either, because it's going to be pigeonholed into that particular directive and not really respect that there's, you know, a gazillion other people out there that might not look like me, think like me or act like me, but might actually want to do business with me, so to speak. Were you recently touched by any book or audiobook about entrepreneurship or community building? Um, I, I do, I do, I do dab in, into a few books every so often. Um, I mean, Brad Fell just came out with a new book. It was kind of a, a, um, a follow up to his first book, Startup Startup Community, and uh, I've been I've been diving deep into that. It's sort of the idea that you know the process of, of what it takes to sort of build a community from scratch. If you're going into a city or you don't you don't know how to how to build an entrepreneurial ecosystem it takes years and years and what does that look like um i listen to a lot of podcasts the the reboot podcast is great i get a lot from that it's it's a, it's a weekly podcast as well as a blog um so i kind of pull different content from different places um unfortunately i'm on my computer and phone a lot just to just to kind of get that information but sometimes i'm old school and just downright buy the book beautiful what did you recently change your mind about what did I recently change my mind about? Um, I don't know. That's a, that, that's a, that's a really good question. The, 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 the fluffy kind of answer is I've been trying a lot of kombucha and I don't know if you know what that is. It's a, it's a, it's a, the it's tea. a yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a tea. It's a tea. And, and when I first tried it, you know, probably a couple years ago, I, I, I probably made the mistake of drinking a lot of bitter versions of it. And, and I, I kind of have a sweet tooth. And then I realized that there was like an alcoholic version. So then I tried that. And now I've sort of found this like happy medium where there's a sort of like sweet, non-alcoholic version. So I've changed my mind to think like, oh yeah, I really like that drink. I know that sounds kind of trivial, but but it's it's something where you know it's it's a it's a to me it's like a pioneering beverage in, in in our markets. And so to see how many flavors are out there and how many brands are out there, I'm thinking like, oh, that's a that's a great balance between you know whether I want to drink an alcoholic drink or I want to drink water or I want to drink soda, what's something in between. So I've changed my mind. I've I've come around. I think it's great. Cool. And um, who should be my next guest? Who should be your next guest? Um, well, I've always, I always give credit to my co-founder, Eric Parker, because he was the one who pioneered the idea of the clubhouse here, here in Augusta, Georgia. And um, his background in architecture really amplified the idea of, you know, what buildings do to communities and, and how does that work? And how do, you, how do you create something to bring people together to, to innovate? And, and the clubhouse in and of itself was just a bunch of clubs 
that came together in the space. And I'm actually in one of the spaces right now. Um, there's some artwork behind me that he that he created. And, and it was really the intent to say, after we were doing this for a couple of years, getting other communities coming to us say, how do we do what you did? Like, how did you start this? How did you maintain it? What's your business model? Where do you find your community? And that's again, sort of where Make Startups went off and, and, and partnering with other communities and cities, you know, across the country. We're piloting cities right now, um, doing some in Georgia, some in Colorado, some in California, but we, we intend to amplify it across the country so that, so that they can access some funding that they might've been not been able to access before to really keep the doors open, to provide education, mentoring and space. Um, Cause at the end of the day, a lot of entrepreneurs can't afford that. And so if you have the funds to do it, then, then it's kind of a win-win for everybody. So cool. Is there anything I forgot to ask you? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think if people want to find out more about us, just put it in the put it in the tagline. They they're they're welcome to, to visit our website, makestartups.com, or they can visit the clubhouse.com. It's kind of spelled funny. So if you spell it right, it'll be great. We bought the domain name from Sweden. Like that was one of the first things we did. So it's the clubhow.se. Um, you'll see a lot of the things that we do. We do code schools. We have a makerspace. Uh, yep, that's one of them. Perfect. Uh, the Make Startups is the division for 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 working with communities. Um, we're doing it domestic. It'd be fun to do it internationally. We've had some interest from Canada. So may, may, maybe when the skies are open again, we can come over to Europe. Um, you know, I'd love to see how, how the ecosystem works internationally um, because I've, I've heard some different things about, about how you leverage where you are and what you're doing. I don't know if it's a, if it's a mindset for risk taking or innovation. I don't know if there's a, a financial safety net working with your municipalities. Um, but I imagine there's a lot of entrepreneurs that that would love to to learn what we do, and I would love to sort of share share what we do too um, to other communities that are that are. And again, we're talking about communities that are outside the scope of like main street cities, like like whether it's Paris or London or Vienna. You might already have that ecosystem. But if you go, you know, 25, 50 miles out, rural communities, you know, how are you how are you um, helping those smaller towns? You know, if, if they have a talent drain or if they have, you know, their, their, their youth moving and moving away, you know, a lot of times communities want to keep their people. They want to keep them in their towns and you don't want them to move away for jobs and stuff. So so technology can help amplify that and stay in their communities and create that quality of life. And, and that's a lot of the, the communities that we that we work with is, is, is mid-sized and rural communities that are sort of outside an urban sector that are, that are kind of left behind, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Grace, thank you so much for being on the show and come back soon. Okay, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Look forward to watching more episodes, so thank you.